Welcome to The Well at Calvary Tuscaloosa. Thanks for listening in. Before continuing, we'd like to pause for just a moment to remind all of our listeners the context in which it was originally given. A lot of teaching these days is chopped into sound bites and truth becomes separated from the community and place in which it was shared. The Well's intent of teaching is to form God's people into the image of Jesus for God's mission in a particular context. Our primary context is college students attending the University of Alabama, Stillman College, and Shelton State Community College here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It is here that we're seeking to join God in His redemptive work within ourselves, our campuses, our city, and the world. If we can serve you in any way at all, please don't hesitate to ask. You can also find more information at thewellua.com. We pray this message blesses you within your context of life and ministry. Hey, well, welcome to our last well of this school year. Um, it has been great to journey with you, um, alongside of many of you, as we started in the fall with the Gospel of Mark, and as we kind of walked through the Old Testament together um, this past spring and looked at how God was seen in the Old Testament, how the Gospel was preached there as well. And so, as we continue to wrap up, um, last week we, we did a time of remembrance, which is somewhat similar to tonight. It's, it's not like we had off nights where it's like, you know, it's, now last, last week was we remembered what Christ had done in and through our community, and tonight we begin to plant seeds and we remember what he has done so that when we go out from this place, we remember that and we can plant a stake and say, you know what, God has done something significant with me this year, this semester, these four years, these five years, um, and that God can do something significant with you as you move out into uh, different workplaces, summer internships, uh, camps, mission trips, all of that. And so we just simply want to spend time tonight reflecting and doing so. And we're going to be in Joshua chapter 3. Uh, so if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and flip open there. And as you turn there, let me, let me simply pray one more time for us. If you would, if it's, if it's not strange for you, you just want to hold out your hands with your palms up. And take a moment and simply release maybe something you've been holding on to. Maybe release the, the tension or the frustration or the anxiety of finishing out a semester, the anxiety of going home. For me, home was not a safe place. And so leaving in the summertime was not, it was, it was full of anxiety. Maybe that's what you need to release to the Lord Maybe you need to release frustrations, wounds. Take a moment and simply say, Lord, here. And it's not that we just confess these things. It's not that we just say, Lord, 
take this, but we also ask him to replace those areas in our lives. So as that anxiety leaves, he replaces it with his spirit of confidence and boldness that our God is not a God of fear. He's not a God of anxiety, that as we release those anxieties of going out and moving back home or into a new job or maybe into the unknown, we simply say, Lord, come here, fill me, allow me to, it's not, it's not a feeling, it's a reality, but to restore in us the joy of the salvation of the Lord. And then if you would, just simply pray alongside of me, Lord, if you're, if you're a believer in this room, if you're not, I, I, would, I would even say, pray, pray with us that the Lord would, that you would see, he sees you, that you would come to him, you would draw near and say, Lord, I repent, I confess, I want to know you, I want to be like these people around me, and he offers salvation for your sins, that you can be restored and renewed. So as we pray, as we enter in this time, we simply say, Lord, our lives are yours. Have your way with us. Offer that. We love you. In your name, we pray. Amen. As we enter into Joshua chapter 3, a little background about what is going on as we enter into this chapter. Um, something is true for the nation of Israel that we're going to find out here that is, is still true for us today. It's similar to what we talked about last week, but we have a failure to remember things. We just, we, we think of the good things, we let them go, the bad things, we kind of just move past them, we just keep getting lost in the busyness of life, and we, we can't remember, and so as we walk into Joshua chapter 3, we're going to see God call the nation of Israel to build a monument, and a monument was simply a collection of stones. They would gather these stones from an event that took place, from a place where the Lord did something miraculous, and they would gather these stones up, and they would build up a monument, and at this place, they would remember who God was. And so some of you may be, why rocks? Well, it's really simply, they didn't have an iPhone. They didn't really, weren't able to kind of take a picture of the Red Sea parting, you know? They, they couldn't, you know, hey guys, get in here, bro. It's fire on the mountain, God doing something great. Mission trip, did it, everyone in, and you got the person with the long arms, um, hey, can you get out there? They didn't have iPhones, and so, but they did have rocks, they had lots of rocks, and so when he would part the seas, he would say, hey, I want you to gather rocks from the bottom of this sea, and I want you to bring them out, and I want you to stack them up. Why from the bottom of the sea? Because he wants them to remember that he did something miraculous. That he 
did something miraculous. And so when they would pass by, they would remember, they would reflect, they would say, you know what? There was a time the Lord parted this, and we walked through into the promised land. And so that's where we pick up. We pick up at the nation of Israel right at the edge, fixing to enter into the promised land. Moses has died. Joshua has taken over. They've been wandering in the desert for decades, some 40-odd years, and they're entering into the land that we even talked about earlier in the semester with Abraham that was promised to Abraham hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And so here they are at the edge of the Jordan River, and they're camping. And this is a picture we enter into, Joshua chapter 3. Verse 2, it says this, at the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. That there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go. For you have not passed this way before. Verse 5, Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Pause there for a moment. There's a couple of things that I want us to see in this passage. The first thing is we see the Ark of the Covenant. So if you're new to the Old Testament, this Ark of the Covenant might be something new to you. You're like, what is this Ark of the Covenant thing? Essentially, take your most valued possession and amplify that by a whole lot. I don't even know how much to amplify, a whole lot. That would be the Ark of the Covenant. It is essentially the nation of Israel's most holy possession. And inside that Ark, depending on where you pick it up in the Old Testament, they put some possessions into it. There was a staff, there was manna to remember things. But more than that, it represented the very presence of God. And so when you see this verse, you see the ark is going to move out and two million people are going to begin to follow it. Not closely, but at a distance. And then the second thing you see is this word consecrate. Now I don't know about you, but the word consecrate is not a word that is in my normal vernacular. But consecrate is simply to purify, to ready yourself, to be on the edge of your seat, to say, you know what, Lord, I am ready for you to do something miraculous. I'm going to cleanse myself. There's a process that they would go through and they would be ready because the Lord was fixing to do something. I said fixing. And tonight, tonight we're readying ourselves. Likewise, tonight as the church, as the people of God, we are readying ourselves, some of you just simply to move out into the summer, some of you to move out into a whole new way of life, the next journey. And so we are readying ourselves, but regardless, I think we stand and we can acknowledge that God still has much to do. And so keep watching, skip down to verse 14, it says this, so when the people set out from the tents to pass over the Jordan, the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, 
And watch this. And the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the, the harvest time. And so this is where we're finding it. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam. And those flowing down toward the sea were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. So again, a couple of things I want us to see as we look at the Lord has asked them to do two things. One, watch the ark move out. Watch my presence move out before you. You follow me because this way you've not been. Why? Because they've not been to the promised land. He's doing a new miracle. He's doing a new wonder before them. And what is that wonder? Well, he said, consecrate yourself, ready yourself. And what we see, <coughs> excuse me, is he parts the sea. It's interesting. If you journal, you'll begin to see patterns in your lives where you see God continue to do certain things. Sometimes they're good things. Sometimes they're reminders of, hey, you forgot me again. But the very miracle that kind of authenticated Moses is now doing the same with Joshua. And so for you to get kind of a mental image around ancient geography, the Jordan is not necessarily a large river. It's maybe at any time 100 feet across. So it's like, all right, 100 feet, swim that, about five minutes, right? But at flood stage, at flood stage in the springtime, you've got the snow coming off the mountains. You've got Mount Lebanon down or up from it. It would have snow and the, the water would flow down from the river. In the springtimes, they would have a rainy season. And so the river would swell up and it would make it very impassable. And so this is when God decides, hey, you know what? Right now, rainy season, snow coming off the mountains. You know what? Let's cross the river. Is that not what God does with your life, my life? He brings you to those impossible moments where you're like, what, what, what do you want me to do now? And then he says, watch. Or the same words that we've been uttering all throughout this year do you trust me? Do you trust me? And I say that because the reality is, if you watch this verse, it says in verse 15, as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priest bearing the ark dipped in the brink of the water. So again, you've got this ark moving out, flood stage, impassable. People like, man, no way. Let's not do it. God said we're going. We're here. Let's do it. We saw what it was to be unfaithful. We walked around in the desert for 40 years. Don't want to do that. All right. Well, let's go. And so they're following the ark, right? Priests have the ark. Sorry, I'm making sure I don't fall off the stage. But the priests have the ark, right? They're moving, moving. They're waiting. And what does God do? He does exactly what he does in our own lives. He says he waits for them to touch that water. Do you believe that I am able? Do you believe that I am your God? Do you believe that I've called you to this destination? Do you believe that I'm asking you to walk in faith? And as the priests put their feet into the water, it says the water swelled up. 
Now, I don't know if you've tried to pile up water before, but it's really hard. It's difficult. So it's not like there were a bunch of people down or upstream, you know, just, hey, go guys, I got it. They're, they're not piling it up, and it's not on the opposite side downstream where they're like, hey, that's cool, you stopped it, so it's just kind of going down the way, everyone passed. It's really hard to do it, and so this is what God is doing, and so he's waiting for them to put their feet in, and he does the miraculous. And so I ask, maybe some of you, maybe you're waiting for the miracle that God's simply saying, hey, step out. Step out, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Because I prove trustworthy. Read your Bible. He is trustworthy. He's good. And so we see in verse 17, Now the priest bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground. Crazy. Like the water just swelled up. You know, if you've ever been into a place where the river has kind of been cut off, it's kind of muddy. That's what the mud does when you walk in it. So now the priests, but they're standing on firm ground. So not only did the water pile up upstream, but now we've got dry ground. And all Israel was passing over on the dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. And goes on into chapter 4, verse 1. When the nation had finished passing over the Jordan... The Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in a place where you lodge tonight. Skip down to verse 20. Why is God having them do this? And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall say to your children, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord, your God, dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know what? That the hand of the Lord is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So why did God have them do this? Why did God have them build this memorial to remember? To remember what? One the time where they saw the power of God that was incredible. That the very stones that they stacked up was a moment in time, a moment in their life that God did something amazing. And he says, I want you to remember this moment. And secondly, they do it out of an opportunity to respect and to remember and to have awe the Lord who is their God. See, I think sometimes sometimes we don't, we don't see God work because we don't have awe of God. Like, we don't behold. We don't sit and wonder 
of a creator that has made all things new. A savior that has stepped down into history to cover the sins of Adam and Eve that separated us all so that what? We could be restored into him and have new life. That is a loving God, is it not? And so as we look at what he's done here, we should look on it with awe and we should look on it in remembrance.